Groovaholics. Welcome to the Rochester Groovecast podcast. Birthed by a love of music, we're all about culture. Don't forget to subscribe and remember the fee. If you gain value from this podcast, personally share it with a friend and explain your favorite part. Let's get groovy. Groovy. What is going on, Groovaholics? We have Ben Squared here today. I have another Ben on the show, Ben Stefanis of the Branch Davidians, and I had a ton of fun talking to him. We really dive deep in creativity and emotion and songwriting in music. I think you're going to love it. I think you're going to love his music, and I think you're really going to like this uh Carly Rae Jepsen-inspired tune that you'll get to hear in a little bit. But let's get started with a Branch Davidians tune, Break Your Stare. Here's Break Your Stare by the Branch Davidians.
Yeah. Cool, cool. That's a fun one, Ben. Thank you very much, man. I, I love that. Tra- I haven't listened to that track in a while. I love it. Yeah, that was Break Your Stare by the Branch Davidians. We've got Ben here of the Branch Davidians. And thank I'm you, excited. We got two Bens here today. Yeah, right. Double double the Ben. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, remember those, uh, you remember those commercials from back in the day, the double mint gum ones? Where it had like, it was just a bunch of twins. Okay. It sounds yeah. creepy. It, it's not, but it because it was, <laughs> but they put some jovial music in there, and it was like double mint gum, and they always had like these twins just popping the gum in their mouth. I don't know. That's awesome. I'm gonna have yeah. to look back into that. Yeah, I. It's not worth your time, <laughs> but but you know, if you're bored, I'm I'm glad to have you here. Um, for for everybody listening, we had some technical difficulties, as you may know. We've been streaming a lot of these live on Facebook. Um, Zoom and Facebook are not communicating. They're giving me a 404 error code. So we're still recording this live and this is going to be released in video. You're going to be able to listen to the audio. You're still going to get a private performance from Ben and we're going to treat this just like any live stream. I appreciate you bearing with me. We got some technical difficulties today to say the least. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I feel like I'm cursed. That happens. That tends to happen in my gigs too. So it's the life of a musician. And yeah. uh, and Ben's about to play some music for us. Uh, I do want to welcome everyone to the Rochester Groovecast podcast, your top source for live, local, regional music interviews and events from Rochester, New York, and the surrounding area. I am your host Ben Albert, and I am with Ben Stephanus. I pronounce that right. Stephan- it was close. It's Stephanus, but Stephanus. Yeah, that's better than some of the other ways. Of hey, I can't talk right. I it's not even that I'm pronouncing your name wrong. It's just the way I talk. Ben Stephanus of the Branch Davidians and a lot of product projects here in Rochester. Uh, what what do you have to play for us to get started here? So I was thinking I'm going to do a new song. Uh, well, that we'll be releasing on our record or upcoming singles, depending on how we decide to do it. But uh, this is basically on its final mix, but it's a song called Thighs. And I just, I don't know. I like it a lot. I wrote it in like 20 minutes, which is <laughs> rare, rare when that happens. So, uh, but yeah, that's, it's called Thighs. Awesome. Take that first step Take a deep breath Peer into the abyss Your first kiss Write a letter Make it better And though all of your secrets 
Let's start over. Sign the papers. Now you can rest and feel in love every day. Oh, yeah. Orange, green, and blue. Her heart's marooned Please stay until the wolf comes Oh, he comes Every hour Take a shower don't close the open eye fast. We can save the weekend papers. Now you can rest and feel in love every day. Oh, yeah. Knocked in the head Fall in love It's not tough, oh yeah Give it some time Give it time Give it time Give it time Give it time, oh yeah Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I love it. 20 minutes you said. Yeah, it's so weird when that happens, but yeah, it was like I mean, I haven't performed that song uh live yet, so I don't know, a little rough, but um yeah, 20 minutes. Like I I I uh I had this idea that I would have a song called Thighs. Because why not? Um, wonderful thing. And yeah, I just sat down I, I, uh, with my guitar. Those chords came out. The melody came out. And the lyrics, I was like... I was on a huge deer hunter kick, mm. uh, which they'll probably come up a lot in, in this conversation. I mean, that's one of my favorite bands. Um, but there's something sort of stream of consciousness about the way that Bradford Cox from uh, Deer Hunter writes. Uh, obviously not the first person to do that or anything, but I don't know. There's a certain style that he does. Uh, he approaches his songs with that. They're, it's not quite like he's ready to just... It's not disposable. That's not the right way to look at it. But yeah, it's, it's a little lackadaisical-like. Uh, it can be easy to get caught up in the compositional stress of trying to shape something perfectly. And yeah, uh, he, he was always prolific and, uh, well, still is, I suppose. Um, and yeah, I don't know. He put out a lot of stuff. 
and didn't really seem to care that much about what he was doing. So maybe I found a little bit of freedom in that idea. Um, but also a thing that I like about that song is uh, the chorus. I was trying to channel uh, Jarvis Cocker from Pulp. I'm a huge Pulp fan. I'm a, a big 90s Britpop uh, guy. So um, he, he has a way about writing things that are sleazy. Uh, and so I, I thought Jarvis Cocker might have a song at some point called Thighs. And I don't know. That's Yeah, so that's where that song is kind of coming from. Yeah, you made it work. Uh, I need to dive into both those artists more. Um, Deer Hunter, I listened to a little bit like 10 years ago when they came out with the color spectrum. Hmm. That was, um, if you recall, it was ultimately they, uh, I forget how many colors they they went over, but it was like four, five, six albums where each album was a color and then what that album embodied that you know emotion that they believed embodied in that color and i, I gotta dive i don't more even into know it. this oh yeah i thought you i th- i was hoping you would <laughs> i was hoping you'd be the the expert on that one well you know it's it's funny because the i'll like run into some random shit can I swear on this podcast? Oh, one? yeah. Yeah, please. Uh, good, good, good. Uh, <laughs> so I'll just run into random shit when I look up Deer Hunter sometimes. Uh, there'll be like a random album on YouTube from like 2006 or something. And I'll be like, what? I mean, a lot of it's like sort of ambient and stuff. So it's not, you know, it's not like they were coming out with like fully developed like songs and stuff. But it, that's a, a cool thing about that band. I mean, I'm a, I mean, I'm probably their number one fan. You just put me out of that. As long as we're talking about the same band, though, because I know there is a band called the the Deer Hunter. That, like, Deer spelled D E A R, Hunter. Mm. Totally different band, uh, like in every way possible. But I'll look you know. this up. Yeah, you know what? The Deer Hunter is the band I'm talking about. Oh no! <laughs> and so there's another band, Deer Hunter. Oh yeah, like like the movie. You remember that super ah. weird uh, Vietnam flick? Mm. Like the late, I think I don't remember if it was late late seventies or early eighties. Really disturbing movie. Uh, not for the faint of heart, but uh, but but the band is yeah. That's it's spelled like that. So it's deer like the animal. Got it. Hunter, but it's all one word too. So it's and it's there's no the. It's just deer hunter. Got it. I need yeah. to look them up because oh, man. I was unaware. This is cool. Yeah, yeah. This is cool. Um, and I, and st- I-, I do stand by what I said, though. There is a lot of random shit that Bradford Cox put out on the internet. So <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me if he did like a color spectrum thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. that's cool. And and I like conversations like this because you know a lot of music I don't. I'm curious um, in terms of influence whether it's going back to childhood or even in recently, mm-hmm. what's inspired you? Um, what kind of inspired you to start playing music and what inspires you to uh, really kind of go into these different elements and, and write songs? Did it, do you have any memories of a certain show or a certain musician that really sparked, sparked it for you? Whew. Shows I'm not sure about. I mean, I, I mean, I have a ton of memories of great shows, but uh, 
I mean, I was, you got to remember, I was, uh, I mean, I was a kid. I was literally nine years old when I started playing the bass guitar. And I, I mean, I dived in head first. Like I was obsessed with um, Rush, I remember at the time. Um, my dad had showed me, I think it was, well, I know it was, it was moving pictures. And I remember being a nine year old kid which is the perfect age to get into prog rock because there's something completely sexless about, pro- about progressive rock. Mm. So you're a nine-year-old kid and it's like, you know, there's uh, sci-fi stories and, and dragons and, you know, whatever. Um, but uh, it was Tom Sawyer. And I remember driving or, you know, sitting in the car and that song came on and I was like, whoa. And it, it gave me this feeling. That was, that was a big thing as far as wanting to be a bass player um but going back before that uh actually you too i know this is a very <laughs> a very un unfashionable uh thing to say nowadays but uh i yeah i mean i was like a six or seven year old kid and the way that those records made me feel um that sort of melancholy uh low but there's like this gospel high thing that they do which that's you know i think that's something that they've talked about too over the years um and like a sense of adventure uh sadness hooks that you can sing along with um yeah and i was a kid and and that that that's what made me fall in love with music was those two moments um but i can't uh i can't like not talk about my brother in this um mm. he's six six years older than me i almost said six foot because he actually has six foot five uh <laughs> uh in height but he was playing guitar uh and like any teenager worth their salt at, at the time you know it was like super like metallica and stuff like that or whatever and um yeah, he was six years older than me, and I, I wanted to jam with my brother. So he was playing guitar, and I remember I went into a music store once, and I was like, what's that instrument with the big strings on it? Mm. And like, that's the bass guitar. And I was like, cool. And then I was listening to Metallica, you know, and there was Cliff Burton, you know, was like a big thing. Um, so that was like a big reason as far as why I did it. But my journey from then on was has been all over the map in terms of taste. Uh, and yeah, especially once I got into songwriting that it was like my entire taste in music was turned on its head. And I, and I sort of ended up hating a lot of music that I grew up liking. Uh, although now it's, it's all nostalgic and it's all good. It's all part of this big package, but you know, you sort of, uh, I think it's cool. A cool thing to do in music is to sort of rebel against uh something and that can be whatever you want to raise a middle finger to but in my case because <laughs> yeah. uh you know what i mean it was like a it was like a middle finger to like shred culture you know what i mean uh when i got into songwriting mm. it, even though i grew up like the first band i i was uh in when i was like 14 we were doing dream theater songs like dream theater was my first concert i was 12 years old so um yeah, it's uh, so that's kind of where I came from, and then at some point, I don't know, I, I somewhere around eighteen or nineteen when I started to try and learn how to sing and trying to write, 
then all of a sudden I got in the Beatles around 21 and I hated the Beatles growing up and now I love them. And yeah, I have so much, so much music now is stuff that I hated growing up and it's just weird how that flips. But I think whatever you want to raise a middle finger to can be really good, uh, really fertile ground for being a creative person. I'll say that. I love it. And I love that the tastes do flip and change and evolve over time. I, I was listening to Dream Theater when I was a teenager as well. Oh, yeah. Um, so your first band was a Dream Theater cover band. I mean, those guys have chops. You're you're going yeah. for the, the technique and the shredding back then. Back then, yeah, yeah. Now, I've lost a lot of that over the years because, you know, you kind of have to keep up on it. But when I stopped caring about listening to it, then I stopped caring about playing it. So some of that's kind of gone. I can still shred, shred a little bit, but it's not. It just stopped being my focus. But And you started with the bass. You played guitar for us today. I mean, did mm-hmm. you pick up guitar along the way? Is it a newer thing? And what other instruments do you play? I picked up guitar pretty much right along the way because... Uh, Oh, by the way, am I am I good talking to the microphone like this? I know, yeah. like, okay, all right, absolutely. I want to make sure I was like right into it, but um, yeah, yeah. Um, my brother would kind of yell at me when he found me sort of playing around with his guitars behind his back, <laughs> but but that's what I was doing. I mean, you know, I was like, because even though at the time bass was my first love, I was like, I still wanted to learn guitar and chords. Chords are like a big thing for me. I really love pretty chords or complex sort of like stuff like that uh like harmonies and stuff so um yeah so guitar uh, long story short uh, guitar and bass was pretty much almost right alongside of each other at a certain point he just kind of let me play his stuff (laughs) because i think he figured out that i just wasn't gonna stop um but yeah but then it was uh singing was was the next instrument that's really it as far as instruments that I can play. Uh, I can kind of sort of play the drums. Um, you know, like gun to my head, I could, I, could, I could hold a groove and do that kinds of stuff, but I'm certainly no drummer, that's for sure. I'm not a, not a drummer. <laughs> gun, to the, gun to the head, you can hold a groove, but that's just about it. Oh, yeah. man. Uh, that's about as far as I could go on the drums. So what, what, about, what, do, you, what, do, what do you play? I dabble with stuff, but honestly, uh, I am not a superstar musician in any right at any instrument. I leave it to the professionals like you. And it's my job to to put people on a pedestal, give them exposure, um, and support the community. Because, my gosh, Rochester, a lot of great bands. You're You're with the Branch Davidians. Anyone else uh, that you play with or you love in the scene that you want to shout out? Oh, yeah. Um, well, I play. <clears throat> it's weird. It was like I was in like four bands for like the longest time. And then all of a sudden, everything just shrunk back. Uh, so, um, I, you know, people have kids or, you know, whatever. I shouldn't say whatever. That's basically what happens. People have kids and they have <laughs> they just have less time for it, and that's okay. But um, but uh, I don't know. Are you familiar with John Viviani at all? Yeah, um, Able Bodies. Uh, yep. He used to play in uh, what was it, Filthy Funk, back in the day. Correct. Correct. Yeah. 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 So all right, uh, that band that I was talking about, that Dream Theater band, that was with John. 
Oh, cool. <laughs> so I was 14. He was 18. Uh, and um, Nick Murray, uh, the keys player uh, for Filthy Funk, he was also with us back then. And um, yeah, so we all had a crazy sort of adventure together. Um, when I was 18, and, I, and that's when I, I decided I wanted to focus on like trying to learn how to write songs and and you know that kind of thing um i kind of left that musical family but i mean those guys are still my best friends i mean john and i play we still actually i still play with john in a led zeppelin um a led zeppelin tribute group that we do like once a year uh called uh house of zeppelin and it's with three female singers it's with uh they're all amazing tegan ward uh champagne brown amanda lee Pierce. Uh, if you know any of those names, but, um, yeah, they're all amazing. It, it, Tegan's been on the show, but all three of those divas are incredible. Oh, they're, oh, they're, they're powerhouses, all of mm-hmm. them. Um, so John and I still play together in that. And then, um, actually the, the song that we will, will be uh, listening to a little bit later that Carly Ray, which is the name of that song. Um, John actually programmed the drums for that. So, and then I think I told you I played bass on the, on that first able body single, uh, and then we actually, John and I were in a band for a long time called Blue Falcon. Uh, that was like just kind of a rock and roll thing. And that was John's, that was Viviani's vehicle for explore, his own vehicle for exploring singing and songwriting and that kind of thing. And so it was interesting that that sort of came full circle. But um, anyways, that's that. But I also play with a guy named uh, Mike James or Hawker M. James, uh, Mikey Jukebox. Uh, Admirers, uh, trying to think another one of his projects. Uh, the Mercies was a band that, that he was, uh, that was his other band. But, anyways, yeah, I play with Mikey too. Uh, and I mean, nobody's really gigging right now, obviously. So for me, it's, you know, you know, Mikey needs like bass on a track or, or, or guitar every now and again. I'll kind of show up for that. But, so those are my sort of musical family, but I also would like to give a shout out to the demos. I don't know if you know those guys, uh, but they were I, the one, when they started in Rochester uh, 15 years ago. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think around, I want to say Oh five Oh six, somewhere around there, but I ended up making really good friends with those guys. Um, I even went down to Jay. Well, their house It's almost like the demos house, uh, that they have there. But, um, and Jay was nice enough to demo up some songs that I wrote a couple years ago. Uh, so, I, I, but I love that band. That, that's another one that I'd like to give a shout out to. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of great people in Rochester. I mean, Overhand Sam, you know, uh, Sam Snyder. Um, really, always liked what that dude does, and he's a cool dude to to, to you know talk to and stuff. And incredible musician. Uh, trying to think. Because I feel like I've been a little bit out of the scene for like a year or so ever since, like I said, things slowed down. Once my gigs kind of slowed down, then I sort of stopped seeing a lot of bands. I always liked Buffalo Sex Change. I don't know if you know that band or not, but they're really cool. Uh, I always felt like a bit of a kindred spirit because they were definitely coming from the shoegaze or like noise pop sort of angle on things, which is kind of where my head's been at for almost like a decade now. Um but yeah, I mean, there's so much great music in Rochester. I, I uh, 
I don't know. I feel bad if I if I'm missing anybody. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, dude, it it's yeah. impossible not to miss someone because yeah. there's so much great music in Rochester. I mean, we could probably go on day uh, all day just name dropping bands um, that are together now. And then when you go back into the history of the past ten years, what a what an incredible music scene! It it's been weird though since people aren't gigging out, right? What what mm. what are some of the changes that have came? In your life from that, have you found yourself doing any of the acapellas, the live streams, writing, or ultimately doing something else that interests you? Well, what's the past six months look like? It's been so weird, bro. <laughs> <laughs> it's been so... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to take a sip off my... Uh... My Labatt Ice here to talk about that. <laughs> it's a, <laughs> 2020, right? Like, Jesus. Yeah. Uh, so... Uh, the only thing that hit instantly was we did have a House of Zeppelin show uh, to do at uh, Three Heads Brewing. Uh, shout out to Jeff Dale if he if he's watching or cares. Uh, absolutely great human and uh, really important person I think to the Rochester music scene. But um, yeah, we were supposed to play there, and then of course you know uh, COVID happened, so that was a big thing. I. It's weird though. I like haven't had anything to write about. Mm. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's just a lack of stimulation because I'm not, you know, really talking to people or because I mean, I, I was a a waiter and a bartender for, you know, basically my entire adult life. And um, I was at Romano's Macaroni Grill for eight plus years. And then uh, shout out to Macaroni Grill. Yeah, that's right. The Macaroni Trill. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, um, actually. <laughs> <laughs> kind of a terrible company to be honest with you but <laughs> but they i mean they shut down a restaurant and uh allegedly it wasn't because of covid it was some other stuff but in case any lawyers are watching i'm not trying to get involved in that um but yeah uh so i don't know it's it's been strange so i've been sort of locked up uh trying to be safe because i don't i'm not convinced we're out of the woods yet i'm just not right. i know that they always take it you know talk about like a you know, like a second spike coming in the fall and, and all that. So I'm still trying to kind of stay inside and wash my hands and whatnot, but I've been learning how to code. That's so, cool. I guess. Uh, I don't know. I, I wish I was making more music. I just haven't had yeah. anything to say. So it's, I pick up my guitar and I don't know. It's weird. I will say this is that I do tend to write in spurts. So I'll write like five or 10 songs and like, and normally in like a couple months when I'm kind of inspired. So uh, I assume that in about six months, I'll probably have a lot to say. And the weird thing is that it'll be about what life is like right now, if that makes any sense. But I don't know. It's weird. Is there anything that you can pinpoint as a, a trigger or inspiration that puts you in that mood where suddenly the songs just fly out fly out of you and it just comes out naturally or does it just happen out of the blue a little bit of both i think that um i would say that anger is probably actually the least uh if i can start there like the least sort of inspiring thing hmm. i have a couple i have a bunch of songs that i wrote uh due to the political climate um because I went through a huge Randy Newman phase. I don't know. Are you familiar with any Randy Newman stuff? 
So I know Randy Newman. Um, I am not familiar. I presume that I know a few of his more popular songs. Sure, sure, sure. Um, but yeah, I feel kind of silly for not knowing more. Well, I didn't, I mean, I didn't really know anything until a couple of years ago. And um, it was weird because I, in interviews with songwriters that I look up to, like Dylan or, you know, Elvis Costello, Tom Waits, like um, even I think Leonard Cohen, people like that, uh, randomly, they'd bring up Randy Newman all the time as somebody that they admire. And the only thing that I knew was like, I don't know, Toy Story or something. Hmm whatever he was doing or like, and I was like, what the heck are they talking about? So then I went back and I discovered that, holy shit, (laughs) this dude's entire early body of work is all political satire. And it's like the most cutting, like some of the most smartest, like some of the smartest songs you'll ever hear in your life. Um, and, uh, yeah, the guy definitely has a sense of humor. You you could say that. So I kind of, I got into that, a little bit around the 2016 election and as a uh, progressive or liberal, what have you, uh, it's been a tough couple of years. <laughs> so um, being left to the dial, so to speak. Um, yeah. So I had this idea that I was going to, I was going to write this musical. Uh, it was going to be called cucks. And <laughs> that's a, a word that sort of right wing, uh, like internet types have tried to kind of put against uh, liberals or snowflakes or that kind of thing. But it was like this weird idea I had about like Donald Trump or like Jeff Sessions or Steve Bannon, these people like singing these songs that were like, in my mind, written by like Randy Newman. So I was mad. I I think going back to my original theme here about anger being like the least inspiring thing, for some reason, anger can be inspiring if it's funny. So if I'm cracking jokes, <laughs> I can write tunes like that. But um, so, Satirical. Yeah, satire. I, satire is a huge, huge important thing for me. I don't know if it's just because I grew up with The Simpsons, and that was like a huge influence on me just I mean, in life or what. But, uh, but yeah, it's... But I'm trying to think because your original, I want to go back to your original question because I went on a huge tangent there. Um, I mean, romance can be inspiring, but like, I feel like it's this weird uh, instinct that I have um, where I want to get to the bottom of something. I'm trying to solve a mystery, so to speak. Uh, and then music doesn't always help to solve it, but it helps to celebrate the mystery, if that makes any sense. So that's normally the headspace that I get into. It's uh, at the risk of sounding really, really flaky or pretentious or something. Like, it's just, I like transcendence. I like this sort of, uh, I don't know. I have a fascination with, like, the mystics. You know what I mean? Like, you know, Rumi or Thomas Merton or, like, these other sort of religious writers that aren't necessarily, like, um, or you know, it, like organized religion, but like coming from this sort of thing where it's like we're tapping into something that's larger than ourselves, mm-hmm. and uh, that sort of thing. So, no, I love yeah. it. I mean, I believe that all—not all, but some of the most powerful music—is because it's transcendent and it taps into that thing where it doesn't matter 
who you are or your life experience or your gender or your location or your language. You hear that music and you feel that emotion or you you just attach to it. You connect to that rhythm. So, yeah, that, that I definitely resonate with that uh, as well. I I want to talk about this Carly Rae Jepsen song. You kind of oh, yeah. teased that you, you had a new track out. It's officially released. It is officially released. Um, so I wasn't able to hit you with. Uh, I know uh, we had talked before, and there was one song that was is ready for mastering right now that I was really hoping to, to premiere. But um, cool. Yeah, but I, I ran into some issues with that as far as having it ready on time. But uh, but Carly Rae, though, I mean, that's the first song we've released in four years. Um, we have, I mean, really a total like 10 tunes come in so, uh, that are in different stages of recording. I mean, they're all tracked. They're all written. Uh, but yeah, I a couple of years ago, I got super into uh, this Carly Rae Jepsen album called Emotion, which was... That's not the one with Call Me Maybe on it. So it's not the one with the big hit. It was like the one after that. And um, it was just funny because I think like a lot of people, maybe I liked Call Me Maybe, but I just didn't want to like say it out loud. You know what I mean? So like, <laughs> which I think this is a big lesson, by the way, a huge lesson for musicians is listen, trust your guilty pleasures because whatever is going on there that makes you feel good that you don't want to admit, you can dive into that if you know your music theory or whatever and can kind of like be like, oh, well, it's this chord change here and I can totally steal that and or melody change, whatever you want to say, uh, and steal that and, you know, uh, use it in whichever way you like. But, um, but it's just funny because, yeah, I, I never really liked or I, I didn't want to say that I like that song. I'm like, yeah, man, fuck that song. <laughs> and then but if i was in the car or whatever i'd be like you know bob my head turn it up a little bit and um i think i was i don't remember what i was surfing obviously the internet uh somewhere probably facebook because i'm there a lot but uh i think pitchfork uh put out their review of the new carly ray jepson record and they gave it like a like a good review and i was like huh and then i saw like other news sources and i was like wait a second all right I got to check this out. And then I was instantly in love with this album. Uh, so for those that might think that's a weird thing or people that are sort of uh, afraid of pop music, uh, well, I would, uh, I would advise them to get over that because that's a step in, in the maturing process, I think. A middle uh, finger, a middle finger to them, right? Yes, 100%. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, <laughs> you know, uh, not to backtrack, but it's like, you know, in high school... All right, I get it. Like you're adolescent, it's a phase of life where you're trying to find like your individuality. So, you know, you you get into this music, and it's weird because even though you're trying to find your individuality, you also want to belong to a group too. Uh, I mean, I guess that's sort of life, but I think adolescence is the first time you're really aware of that kind of thing, and sort of the uh, the push and pull between the individual versus the community, or however you want to put it, but. I don't know. It's like sometimes I'll see these like hardcore dudes on on the internet on like social media that like at age twenty eight, there's they're like, yeah, bro, I don't like that top forty, and I'm like, man, at what point are you gonna get over that? Like you could still like whatever weirdo stuff. Those Bauhaus records are still gonna be there. You could still, you know what I mean? Like I love Joy Division. Uh, I was raised 
my brother eventually got into like who I brought up before got into like classical music and you know he turned me on to stuff like George Crumb and like you know Schoenberg and like you know minimalist stuff like Philip Glass and all that kind of stuff that's all fine I still love that stuff but there's <laughs> like at what point can't you just admit to yourself that it's okay to enjoy a stupid pop song you know so I don't know <laughs> that's a hang up that I have I guess but it uh where was i going with this oh as far as carly ray goes like that song and and what went into that but i wanted to write a song that sounded like it was on that album which i did uh, did so on my acoustic guitar and then i was like well i'd like to make this noisy i'd like to make this weird i wanted to kind of try and make it sound like those deer hunter albums that i'm obsessed with or uh my bloody valentine you know all that British UK stuff, uh, even though they're Irish, but it's all like UK sort of influences. But and I'm really uh, going into this. If we're, I don't know if we're playing it now or not, but oh yeah, we'll play. Cool, cool. I'm very, very proud of the pop hook that comes in at about the two minute mark. Uh, that's like my favorite vocal part I've written so far in terms of melody and lyric and those things sort of coming together. So yeah, it's a, it's a weird tune, uh, but I don't know. It's a good tune. And I, I'd like to think that's like an aesthetic that I strive for is to be like noisy and weird, but like poppy at the same time. I don't know. I love it. I love it. It's called Carly Ray Jepsen, correct? It was until I found out I wasn't allowed to release the song as that. Mm. so then now it's just called carly ray and it's spelled weird so it's like carly with two e's and then ray her name is r-a-e but i changed to r-a-y and then i just cut it like that so carly ray you know now i don't have any problems carly so, ray yeah let's, let's check it out
You're listening to the Rochester Groovecast podcast. Head over to Facebook, like Rochester Groovecast, and mark our page as C first to keep in touch with everything new. Now back to the show. Yeah, man, that hook was that hook was fun. Cool. Glad you like it. <laughs> good stuff. Good stuff. I really got into Taylor Swift for a while. Didn't didn't want to talk much about that back <laughs> in the day, but oh, I love Taylor Swift. Uh, not not all her records, but uh, yeah, I don't know, man. When she when she hits out of the park, she gets it. Uh, yeah. It's like uh, you ever watch Brooklyn Nine Nine? You ever watch that show? I have seen it, um, but only a few times. It hilarious uh, though, hilarious. Really funny show. I remember there was like this moment where like uh, Andy Samberg's character is like <laughs> trying to deny that he likes Taylor Swift. He's like in the interrogation room, and then he, <laughs> he finally admits it. And he's like, he's like, she makes me feel things, and like Terry Crews is like all mad. He's like. She makes us all feel things. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a really funny moment. But yeah, I yeah, she's uh yeah she she's great. She's a monster in her own right for sure. It's great, man, and and I look forward to the new track and the new album when it's ready. When when do where do people keep in touch? What are the best ways to follow you? Uh, I mean. Since it's been a while since we started releasing music, I mean, I, I kind of like to try and build up the Spotify or the YouTube. Um, I don't know why YouTube so much, I, but I, I have a thing for YouTube. It's like, uh, I don't know, just it's a really cool service that I really enjoy. And it's a place where I uh, listen to a lot of music. So, um, but yeah, I mean, or you can just find us on Facebook and you can find all the information there. Because uh, we don't have anything on Instagram right now or... I haven't made an Instagram account, to be honest. I, I don't know why I said right now I was lying to you. <laughs> I no. built a I built a house of lies. You don't have anything <laughs> right now. That doesn't mean you won't have one in the the future. Zero plans for an Instagram account? No, no, I got I got plans, you know. Mm. I got all kinds I got all kinds of plans, but following through is uh, you know, another thing. I'll tell you what, I'll try to have one up in the in the next week. This conversation has uh lit a fire. Yeah. Yeah. Instagram, so I never thought of it as the best source for musicians, mm -hmm. at least originally, but I've seen a lot of people do it, and I kind of like it when you're starting to dabble with a new track that is unreleased, and maybe you're only uh, writing it on one instrument and still kind of learning, uh, learning it as you go. You can post that on your Instagram and have like little, you know, it's almost like you're giving someone a little bit of a backstage access into your life to discover the process as it goes. You're kind of documenting the process a little bit. Um, and then, you know, if I follow on Instagram and follow these posts, when I actually officially see it live with the full band, I'm like, hell yeah, I remember when he first posted this, you know, uh, this uh, low resolution Instagram video a year ago. So that's one value I found in Instagram um, with musicians, but I, I'm not very active on it myself. I usually post a photo that I had you on the podcast, but there's not a ton going on on my Instagram either. So, yeah, I, uh, it's, well, I have actually, for a second, I kind of got into it 
And it's funny you say that because that's exactly what I was doing is I would just post mm. videos of myself, just a clip of uh, songs I was working on. And I didn't realize that they only let you do like a minute of it, or at least that's like the automatic sort of upload is that it's like a minute of whatever you did. So I'd record like this like three minute song that I was working on and then <laughs> whatever, <laughs> post it up there. But um, but yeah, I, I, I have done that. I It's... I gotta, I gotta step up my promotion game. I, that's always been a little bit of a weakness, and actually a huge weakness on my part, if I'm being honest. But uh, I always felt like I had a really good uh, creative sense, but the business sense is something that's always trailed a little bit behind. So, but you know, you live and you learn. Yeah, I, f- I feel like it's the the story of most creative people. You know, different sides of the brain, maybe, but the most creative best artists and musicians i've seen often have no business sense you know you need an agent and then there's other people that aren't even that good musicians or maybe they're decent but they just promote so heavily and network so much that they get a lot of attention they're good at it i mean they're real like it's it's no you're right it's It's uh yeah i didn't mean to cut you off but i mean it's a talent in its own right and there's some people that i've known over the years that are just you know shameless about it you know what I mean? There, there's always this weird part in my mind. It's like uh, this weird sense of shame I have sometimes where I'm like, or, or like I feel guilty if I'm like uh, pushing my music on someone if, if, if I get the feeling that they don't really want to hear it uh, kind of thing or my, you know, or my product or whatever. But it's so, it's so stupid because you, I think in some ways you do, well, in a lot of ways you have to try and make somebody want to hear it and then they'll hear it and then they might like it and they might not. But um yeah it's bizarre it's just it just you're right it's it's a a a different side of the brain it comes from just a different place but i don't know yeah cool it's it's fun getting to know you i'm gonna ask a few more questions wrap it up i do encourage everybody to check out branch davidians on facebook uh to check out these new tracks and to keep up and to keep up today because you guys are back in action, rocking and rolling. Um, you're playing bass and working with lots of different pro- uh, projects. So that's I mean, a I really should, cool thing. I should mention that Branch Davidians, in case anybody's just to uh, make it spe- specific, that that I'm playing guitar and singing in that group. So, but yeah, I play bass with uh, yeah with other people and stuff. So, got it, got yeah. it, got it. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, do you feel you have in, in that band a different kind of control and power that you're doing a little more uh, of the, the guitar writing and, and, and songwriting? Uh, what's your opinion on the bass? Do you still have as much creative power as a bass player? I'm super curious about that kind of thing, you know? Uh, no, I, I know. I uh, definitely don't have as much creative power <laughs> as a bass player. But you know what the weird thing is, is that I kind of like that because mm-hmm. with my stuff, I mean, I am the chief songwriter and I'm the front person and, uh, you know, the, the person that has to try to like book gigs and that kind of stuff. So it's like there's a lot of hats to wear when it's your project. Mm-hmm. So um, what I like to think that I can bring or that I try to bring to other people's stuff is like, number one, like I said, it is kind of nice just to be able to lay back, show up and just know the stuff and then just, you know, kind of let loose and play and, you know, groove along and, and that's that. But, uh, I also, because I know what it's like to be a band leader that, um, 
I like to respect the songwriter. Yeah, because I, I think no matter what band you're in, whoever wrote the song that you're working on should get the veto power. You know what I mean? Like they have a, a vision for it. And um, especially with some of the more, I'll say, powerful personalities that I sort of work with, uh, they can be very particular about, about what they want. So I try to uh, basically just uh, be a service, so to speak. And, you know, to them, try and make their music sound the way that they want it to. So I love it's, it. it's, it's, it's a different thing, but it's cool. It's, it's uh, yeah. Yeah. You, you got to wear different hats. Multiple people have said on this show, uh, ultimately not to be a one trick pony. And there's times when you're taking the lead and then there's other times where you're playing a completely different instrument and you're in the background playing a role. So there's a time and place for all of it for sure. Yeah, uh yeah, definitely. And 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 it can improve and it's improved my bass playing too, being a mm-hmm. you know, a front person because I can hear the way that music or the way that bass is supposed to work with music as opposed to just sitting down and being like, listen to my awesome bass line. You know what I mean? Like there's an audience there that's trying to vibe to your music. I mean, they want to like it. So it's interesting to kind of see it from all of the different components. Uh, of how music is made and I just think it's a good thing for really anybody that's well I guess anybody that's interested in it I mean that's the weird thing with music and I think this is definitely a uh, a pitfall of being a musician is that you can get hung up in wherever you're at in your journey uh, and then you expect everybody else to sort of like value the exact same thing or have the exact same taste as uh, in music as you or you know, that sort of thing. But um, for those that are interested in, I think, making music, the more it'll always make you more well-rounded if you can sort of uh, come at it from different angles. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome, man. There's one, a question. I close out almost every podcast with it. I ask every guest, and uh, it's the billboard question. Hmm. Okay, what's this? I think I might have seen that. What is this? What is this? I I do tease this question to people all the time because it's kind of one of those hard ones that that stumps. Honestly, it would stump me if someone asked it, and I've asked twenty people it. But ultimately, you have the ability to control a billboard on the side of the road. So imagine a massive billboard side of the road, and a key element is everyone's gonna see it all ages, all races, all genders, all religions, and you can control what's on this billboard. You can ultimately promote your band. You can put an image that you find humorous. You can put a motivational quote. You can put a song lyric, but you get to put something on this billboard uh, with the knowledge that just about everyone, we were joking the other days, if it's big enough, even the aliens are going to see. Hmm. What uh, what if anything would you put on that billboard, and why? I would put uh, a phrase, and it would be, uh, "You can love your way out of anything." It's a lyric that I've been teetering with, and uh, you know, I twenty twenty has been a difficult year. I mean, I've lost. Uh, now two friends uh by the way rest in peace to nick radar uh who just passed away tragically over the weekend 
an important person in the Rochester scene. I think um, just a really chill dude. Uh, and I say that, you know, the whole, the, it's with a heavy heart that I speak about it, but um, I think it's caused, you know, me and everybody else to sort of look, uh, try and look at, at life um, on the big picture. And yeah, you can love your way out of anything. I, I think that it speaks to the transcendence that we were talking about before, as far as music goes. And I'm a big proponent of, uh, as a side note of music should hit you with a feeling first and a thought second. And if it doesn't hit you with a thought, that's okay too. As long as the feeling gets you, it's gotta be something emotive. That's something I wanted to say before, but, <laughs> but going back to the, the, you can love your way out of anything. It just seems like, I think well, there's two things that can happen to you if you go through a traumatic experience and that's you can either become tougher. Uh, actually, no, t- t- uh, let me, let me walk that back. You can become harder because tougher is not necessarily a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Hard. You can become a harder person or you can be a softer person. And I think it's preferable to become a softer person. And no matter what your faults are, no matter what kind of adversity you face, uh, if you can sort of expand that sense of sort of love or humanity or compassion, um, you expand that circle, so to speak. I hate to sound like, I don't know, Marianne Williamson or something, or who's that? Who is (laughs) Gwyneth Paltrow? Is that who dated Chris Martin? Uh, Sounds right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, like coming from a place of humanity of compassion and wisdom, I think that's things that we can expand and we can, like, I don't know. I feel some, sometimes I look at things on social media and it's like, I feel like I worry that sometimes we've all become just a bunch of smug pricks, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, you know, I engage in it too. You know what I mean? And, and, and things get ugly. And I think it's important to remember that unless someone is an absolute psychopath or sociopath, uh, then no one is beyond the rope that can sort of pull them in. So, um, yeah, and I think it starts with love. So you can love your way out of anything. That's what I would put on that billboard. Hopefully the aliens would like it, but if I know anything about them, uh, they'll probably do something nearer to my butt, and I'm not into that. So <laughs> no, there's anything yeah. wrong with that. <laughs> there's anything wrong with that, case somebody got that joke wrong. <laughs> uh, you, you can love your way out of that, too. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> the, the Beatles would love that. Yeah, it, it, it sounds like something the Beatles would write. It's got that that prolific songwriting, transcendental feel to it in itself. Yeah. Well, John Lennon said, um, who obviously is a uh, a complicated personality, but uh, uh, I, uh, with all his faults, he was an incredible songwriter. I I don't think anybody would really argue against that. He said that when he was writing Imagine and or uh, also give peace a chance that he was fascinated with uh advertising so he was fascinated with slogans uh and he wanted to get the message across you know as best he can and in a way i feel like he almost ruined songwriting because then everybody thought they could just do that (laughs) and then we've had a lot of really really bad message songs it's really tough to have a good message song uh but um 
but yeah, I, I, but he he was certainly a master at it, and and it's yeah, it's interesting you say that because I think it is a slogan, you know. So he tried to find a slogan and put a little sugar on it, and you know, put it out to the world kind of thing. So. Yeah, we were we were talking about it just a second ago. Some people are good at that business marketing thing, yeah. and and that's what he was going for. I mean, I guess uh, to write some of the most prolific pop songs at all of all time, you sometimes might have to put on that lens. Yeah, well, I mean, but but I think that necessarily, but. Well, no, no, I, I, I just, I think that it's important to remember that even though he was interested in the, the salesman aspect of it, I think that it was still coming from an artistic mm. obsession. Like you could tell, like he was sort of obsessed with that idea. Whereas I think other people that are just good at business just might have a good slogan. Where You know what I mean? Like, I think he was, I think he, I think that sense was, it was the art piece itself. So even though it was coming from, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I think you know what I'm trying to say. I do know what you're trying to say. I think yeah. that's pretty profound. You know, it was, it was coming that like the Mona Lisa. The Mona Lisa was so perfectly painted, and that was part of its beauty. It wasn't incredibly abstract per se. It was. It was all about creating something that was perfect. Yeah, that was perfectly uh and and john lennon paul mccartley a lot of the what are the they were saying in their non-compute completely obscure songs were lyrics that were pretty much perfectly poetically written that's why they're the, some of the best songwriters of all time oh yeah oh yeah I mean, uh, one one reason amongst many but that would be a yeah like another podcast altogether right yeah man yeah well thanks thanks for coming on and dealing with some of our technical issues today i had a lot of fun yeah, thanks for having me. And I, I, I wish that there was more time. Can, can I say one thing? Yeah. One I, more thing. Yeah, to be honest, take, yeah. your, t- take your time. Well, uh, because I know there was a third song of ours, if you could put it on the outro if you like or whatever, and that's Bridges of Madison County. And I think it's a good segue into this because mm. that song was supposed to be the opposite of the message song. I got so tired of hearing all these really just, you know, really fluffy, like message songs that I, <laughs> I wanted to write a song that was just filled with literally the worst advice that you could possibly give somebody. And, uh, and it ended up being like a huge hit at shows. It was like, it was songs that like people really liked back when we were like, you know, uh, playing out more or whatever. Um, so it's funny <laughs> because it's, yeah, it's, uh, it, it, I, I literally sat down and I said, what is the worst thing that I could tell someone to do and how to cope with life? And uh, <laughs> <laughs> So another, again, satire sort of comes up. So it's, it's just weird that that's, I think that's a good segue into that if you wanted to close out with that or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah man. They, we'll close out with Bridges of Madison County. Again, I appreciate you coming on. If you guys haven't followed branch davidians yet if you're not keeping up to date you need to do that and we're looking forward to to more uh, tracks and more weird carly jensen influenced music as well because because i love it man oh man thank you so much it's 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 a blast cool let's let's put on bridges of madison county close it out with that
to the Rochester Groovecast podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and remember the fee. Share this with a friend and tell them exactly why they should listen. And don't forget to keep it groovy, baby.